welcome to the Big Dumb Ride. It's a podcast dedicated to the joys, miseries, and lessons left unlearned from your big dumb bike rides. So our next guest is Molly Grace Simpson, Molly's friend of mine, us. also a teammate of mine, but not on Great Escape. Uh, she is on, uh, actually, the, she founded, started, presides over uh, Team Normalized Compassion, which is uh, our bike MS fundraising team. And uh, she was fun to talk to, to get the backstory on that. Small is amazing. Seems to have kind of innate physical ability um, and strength. Um, but in the course of our interview, we also learned that that strength is very much, you know, about her character and what she's been through dealing with MS and managing this disease. Um, and so it's incredible because I think when I, I think about MS, it's, it, is, it is a disease that debilitates. It's, it causes, you know, breakdown of your ability to, to move and, you know, and yet here it was, we're talking to her and she's, she's doing these insane long distance bike rides. If <laughs> yeah. the, the true spirit of Big Dumb Ride is about like dogged perseverance, yeah. uh, her whole life is kind of a Big Dumb Ride. Yeah. <laughs> In that way. Yeah. <laughs> But she's she's an amazing person to talk to. Um, I didn't know as much about MS going into the conversation. And to be honest with you, I didn't. Molly was a friend of yours. I didn't even know how much we were going to talk about that. So she's amazing, yeah. amazing story. And just yeah, like one of these women who just was like, "Oh, I've never you know never ridden twenty miles, and so I'm just going to go do that, and then I'm going to ride two hundred yep. <laughs> and be fine about it." <laughs> I think that's like a great. I I really love this one because it was about kind of like you know what bikes can can do for you and what you can do with bikes. I don't know if you guys know this, but riding bikes is fun. And I was like, damn, that was really great. And that was beautiful and blah, blah, blah. So I started riding like every other day and I felt really good. And I, and I started to realize right away that a lot of my symptoms um, were feeling better. Molly, welcome to the Big Dumb Ride podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, Annie, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so uh, Molly, describe the ride. Like, uh, who organized it? How far was it? So this was 2017. And this, my first uh, and biggest Big Dumb Ride was um, for an event called Bike MS Tour to Tanglewood. Um, it is one of around 80 um, bike MS rides that happen um, all over the country each year. And it happens annually. And you, it's a two-day event with the option to ride up to 100 miles each day, which means that you have the option, one has the option to do a double century, which is 200 miles um, in a weekend. Yeah, and it's a fundraising ride for, for multiple sclerosis, and it's also an awareness-raising ride for multiple sclerosis. That, that particular route uh, nationally has a bit of a reputation, doesn't it? It does. Um, there's quite a bit of elevation gain. Um, it's uh, just shy. The route changes a little bit each year, but it, um, at that particular Bike MS event um, has just under 7,000 feet in elevation gain um, each, each day for, if you're doing the 100-mile route. So, so this sounds like, was this one of your first big efforts? Yeah. yeah. So the, the story goes, um, 
essentially, uh, so I have multiple sclerosis, um, and uh, it's actually like a, a little bit of an epic tale uh, about uh, leading up to how I did the ride. But, um, you know, I guess before we get there, I'll just say um, uh, that was the first year that I was on a bicycle period, at least um, since, uh, you know, I was younger. Um, and, uh, up until that point, um, not only had I not really been on a bicycle, um, I definitely, uh, I definitely was not really able to do much, um, uh, fitness activity or physical activity period. Um, and at the time I was only participating in the ride, uh, I guess kind of for like emotional reasons, um, empowerment reasons, uh, being that it was a ride for this disease that I have. Um, and at the time it was, uh, really taking quite a toll on my livelihood and my self-esteem, uh, my character, it felt like, and, um, I was really kind of beating the shit out of me, to be honest. And, uh, uh, I suppose we can get into this, um, but I'll just say, um, at that point, I, I only wanted to complete, um, when I set out to do the ride, I was really only hoping to do, um, at least 20 miles, um, on one of those days, uh, the way that that ride works and many of the bike MS rides are similar, but the way that that ride works, um, on both Saturday and Sunday, you have the option to do, you know, like a 20 mile route, um, 35 mile route, 50 mile route, 75 mile route, 100 mile route. And, um, when I set out to start riding, um, it was really just to prove to myself that I could do it. And at the time I was really hoping to only accomplish 20 miles on, on a Saturday. Um, and what ended up happening is I ended up doing 200. So it was a really big, um, unexpected accomplishment. And, um, I had never done anything like that before in my life. Um, and what it ended up doing was not only it began my love affair with cycling, but it also, um, it really did save my life and my health. Um, and it's turned me into a bit of a fitness person and through physical activity and fitness and in particular cycling, um, I've been able to bounce back a lot from what multiple sclerosis was doing to my body. Can you say more about that if you're comfortable doing that? Yeah. Um, I'm more than comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was an amazing, I was, you know, the next question is, well, how did you train for your ride? But it sounds like yeah. you didn't just train, you were actually well, rebuilding your life and your, your physical mobility. Was, so that's a huge leap. It was a so tell us more. leap. It um, completely changed every, literally changed everything. Um, everything about my life, every single thing, um, right down to the, the company that I keep even, um, the outlook that I have online. I mean, everything completely changed and it was, um, 100% because of the bike. So, um, it's pretty, I mean, like for that reason alone, I feel very romantic about cycling, <laughs> but the, um, and it's, and it's kind of like a romance story. It really is like, um, a big one. And I like telling it, um, because, uh, not only did it, um, bring me into cycling and into better health and a healthier outlook and a happier life. Um, but it also brought me into uh, 
advocacy for my disease, which I work for now regularly. So I've been um, what's called a district activist leader for the Multiple Sclerosis Society, you know, for four years now. Um, the following year after my first ride, I earned the Sylvia Lowry Legacy Award. She was the founder of the MS Society um, because immediately after that first year, uh, I got really obsessed with not only riding and riding for Bike MS and raising money for, for MS research via Bike MS, um, but I also got really... Um, comfortable talking about my disease and I started to really love doing it. And so I went from living kind of, you know, up until that point, like living, um, you know, pretty privately about having MS, very embarrassed about it, very insecure about it. Um, I had been diagnosed when I was 21 and I mean, gosh, I was 30. So for nine years I was, um, pretty private and pretty insecure. Um, didn't like talking about it. And now, I mean, do you ask any of my friends? I can't, I, I can't shut up about it. <laughs> and so um, there was like not only a big confidence boost um, in general, but it also like really taught me the importance of, you know, educating, advocating for this disease um, and not just this disease, but invisible illnesses, chronic illnesses um, in general. And so right after um, that first year, which, you know, again, I, I did, um, I did have, um, there was a really great team um, that allowed me to sort of join them, um, which is a whole story in and of itself. And they were really supportive, um, but it wasn't my team. It was like the, the some friends of a friend um, let me ride with them. Well, I'm just going to tell you the story of how it started because it's just a little bit easier to do it in yeah. order than jump around. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, up until that point, I was pretty, like I said, private, um, pretty miserable. And my uh, illness was really growing. Uh, it was progressing and it was really uh, taking a toll on me physically. Um, a lot of my symptoms uh, for about three years prior were progressing at a pretty quick um, pace. And it was making work very difficult. I had to quit a career that I really loved, which is teaching middle school um, language arts. Um, made a lot of things really difficult, made a lot of personal relationships really difficult. Um, I was pretty depressed and I was definitely uh, physically um, squandering my energy um, into feeling really, really miserable for myself, really sad. Um, and my symptoms got worse and worse. And around, uh, you know, the very beginning of the year of 2017, um, I had been confiding in a new friend who was a cyclist, um, uh, just about how sucky this disease was and how low I was feeling and how much I wanted to physically bounce back. And I wish that I could. Um, and he sort of um, made some mention about, you know, what if I started to ride bikes or what if I have I ever considered being more physically active or yoga or, you know, whatever. And I had said that, yeah, before like yoga had helped, but just wasn't feeling really confident about it. Um, and he came at, at me one day and said that uh, some of his coworkers were participating in something that he had never heard of. It was this thing called Bike MS. And they'd ask him if he wanted to join, and he couldn't um, because he had a wedding to go to. 
uh, on the same weekend of the ride. This was in about March of 2017. The ride is every September. So there was a whole spring and summer in between uh, leading up to the ride. And he had, he suggested that I consider riding in his place. And I said, are you fucking nuts? Like I can't even walk at that point really very well. Um, and he, he sort of said, you know, hey, it's cool. Like all you have to do at least a, a minimum of 20 miles on one of those days. Um, you know, you could do up to 200, but hey, don't worry, there's a 20 mile option and you don't have to do both days. And um, I thought he was crazy for even suggesting that, but um, I kind of had a crush on him at the time. And uh, <laughs> I, he was like, he was like, I'll, I'll help you train. We'll get you up to 20 miles by the end of the summer. And I, and he didn't mean anything by it. He was super, super, super supportive. But I was like, mm, to spite him, I just wanted to like ride 20 miles without his help. And I also kind of wanted to impress him. <laughs> so I got a bike, um, which is still the bike that I have now. And um, he went away for a few weeks. He was like, I'll train you when I get back. And what he was doing, he was doing the Arizona trail race. It was like fucking 700 miles through the Arizona desert on a mountain bike. And I was watching his dog while he was gone. And I was like, Ugh, like you get to do 700. Okay, fuck you. I'm going to do 20 miles by the time you get back. And he <laughs> left and I got the bike. And um, I remember the first day I was like, okay, you can do it, Mal. Like you can do like five miles. You just, just get on the bike. Like it's a machine. It'll just do, it'll do the work for you. And I did this like local route, um, <laughs> when I got back to my house, I looked at my fucking mileage and I, it was 17 and a half miles. And I was like, Oh, that was your first, that, oh. Wait, so that was your first ride. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I guess I'll just do a little bit more. So I just like pedaled until I hit 20 and I was like, okay, well, that's not a big deal. That was like an hour and a half of riding, like an hour and a half or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Well, that wasn't, so I felt really good about that. And I was like, well, shit. And now I have until September. And I also really enjoyed it. I like, liked how it felt. Cause I don't know if you guys know this, but riding bikes is fun. And I was like, damn, that was really great. And that was beautiful and blah, blah, blah. So I started riding like every other day and I felt really good. And I, and I started to realize right away that a lot of my symptoms, um, were feeling better. And specifically when I was riding, um, I felt better than when I wasn't riding. Um, can you, for, for a second, can you just explain for people who don't know who might yeah. be listening, what, what MS is and what, what were some of the symptoms you're experiencing before yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> so MS is um, a neurological um, illness. It's a, it's a, it's a disorder where in, um, essentially your neurons um, don't work as they should. Um, messages do not pass from neuron to neuron um, or even get through. Um, as efficiently or at all in some cases it's uh when the the milky coating um that helps messages move through your neurons um essentially uh spontaneously corrodes away um so excuse me i'm gonna move into the bedroom <laughs> so basically um <laughs> so uh, symptoms can vary from person to person. They, my dog is greeting my friend. 
and I'm locking myself in the bedroom. So basically, um, the symptoms vary from person to person. Um, there is no two similar um, or identical cases of MS. Um, and essentially, because any part of your brain um, can be affected by this random um, process called demyelination, um, your symptoms can present themselves in essentially any way. So uh, for a lot of people, that means gross motor skills, fine motor skills being affected or completely halted, um, cognitive dysfunction, which affects memory, um, extreme brain fog, extreme fatigue, depth perception, balance. Um, and I'm sort of just listing the ones that I personally experience, um, and I'll also list others, but um, so dizziness, vertigo, um, yeah, spatial awareness is a big one. Um, speech at times um, can be greatly affected. Mm -hmm. um, numbness, tingling, paralysis, um, either acute or slow, slowly progressing. Yeah. Um, you know, spasms or spasmodia. Um, pain, sudden pain, prolonged pain. Um, yeah, just essentially anything that your nerves <laughs> can experience, mm -hmm. you can experience spontaneously or over a sustained period um, or permanently. Um, and, and then other internal functions as well, depending on where in your brain. So it really, um, it's a fascinating disease. It's pretty beautiful and pretty fucked up, but... <laughs> um, so anyway, one of those um, one of those symptoms, for instance, um, having to do with balance, uh, cycling. Actually, in the moment when riding, um, I actually feel better than I don't do when I'm standing still because when you're moving oh. forward and there are no fixed points really, aside from your bicycle, mm -hmm. you have nothing to dizzy you. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so that was like a pretty cool discovery. And I was super elated. It was just the fucking greatest feeling. Just that first time, just that first like 20 miles and being like, oh, wow, that's like not a big deal at all. <laughs> and I, I'd been sitting there like dreading it. I thought it was gonna take me seven months or whatever. And it, it was the first day. So we ended up, um, I ended up riding just about every day um, and, you know, got stronger and, would go on sometimes go on longer rides but never more i think than 50 miles wow um and then i had i, I started to become somewhat um friendly with the the people who were allowing me to ride on their team and we would go on a couple of training rides but mostly i rode by myself um they were great though and about a week before the first ride um we all were talking about what we were going to attempt distance wise. And I had uh, previously said that I was going to really focus on attempting 50 in just that one day, just on Saturday. And uh, about a week before I said, you know, to hell with it, I'm gonna try the 80 mile route. And I was like, you know, that's a big jump, 50 to 80. And <laughs> I was feeling like super intimidated and I was, super hyped up on it and then we showed up for the ride and there are about a thousand other cyclists um we all started off together and i think just for whatever reason i grabbed the cue sheets for the the century um so did a couple other teammates and we just did it and it was awesome 
Um, it was the last minute decision to attempt it. I thought like, we'll just figure it out if we don't make it. And I didn't really realize that, I mean, that it was gonna be, I don't wanna say it wasn't easy, but I didn't realize that it was gonna be, uh, I don't know, possible. <laughs> Not only that first time, but other times as well. And then when, it, when we finished, um, like that was the first greatest feeling I've ever had. And then, and I was like, why? I was like, well, cool, I'm done. Like, um, I knew that my other teammates were gonna try to ride a small ride the second day. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Like, I just rode 100 miles. Yeah. Um, and so I, my, my best friend actually ended up flying in from New York City that night. So I drove, I finished the first century, drove to, drove to Charlotte to pick her up from the airport. Um, went out for like drinks and I was planning on just like rolling up in like my sweatpants the next day, just to cheer on my teammates, um, and not ride at all. And I was walking with my cane. Um, like, you know, I felt pretty beat up cause that was my first one. Mm. And then like something happened. I woke up at like five the next morning and I was like, actually, I'm just going to try the double century. And I texted my teammates <laughs> and I said, yo, the, the century riders um, leave like an hour before everyone else. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew they were all just doing like 20 miles the next day or something. And so I just texted them all and I was like, yo, I'm actually not going to see you guys in the morning because I'm going to try this <laughs> century <laughs> again, but I'll have a good ride. <laughs> and then I, I showed up at the park and I was like by myself and I felt really stupid and um it's so cute to like talk about this thanks for asking it's like because uh, now it just feels like old um or like so far long ago but at the time I was just so 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 excited and then I started out by myself and everyone else everyone else doing the double century were like writers like Andy <laughs> they're just like they're just like whatever you know or like super super pro like um you know Andy's otherwise like, like yeah, right. yeah writers like Sarah <laughs> yeah yeah bag of pizza in one hand yeah it was funny I just sort of like I don't know. I just was like this rookie idiot just rolling. I was like, well, hey guys, I'm going to ride too. And I, and the whole day I was by myself. Um, <laughs> except for like this old, old man named Kenneth who rode with me for a little while. But anyway, and, uh, by the time it was really, really cute. Like I was the last one to finish. The entire event was packed up when I crossed the finish line um, there were just like some of the volunteers left, um, <laughs> and like the, yeah, the staff of the event and they were just like cheering me on and it was so cool. And I was just like, it was just the happiest I've ever been. I felt so, I felt so, so happy. It's an unbelievable leap from <laughs> living with your symptoms, suffering with them, yeah. getting on a bike, figuring out that you're actually, not only is it alleviating symptoms you're also pretty good at it turns out yeah and that then, was such a surprise <laughs> i was like wait <laughs> like like better at it than most people and then you went and did a double century that's crazy yeah, yeah. it was really that's fun so ama that's an amazing story and I like i so remember like, the name of the guy who because we've all got a kenneth i'm sure like in our cycling history yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> i just wish <laughs> I, I i've never seen him again like all the other years 
I've always wanted him to be like, hey, remember? <laughs> I've never seen him. Um, but it was so great. And like, and I was so motivated and touched by how kind everyone was, um, the whole staff. Um, like, I think the Bike MS um, staff, like, like main staff, heard about me somehow. I'm not really sure. I really don't remember how, but... They reached out to me a couple of months before the ride. They'd heard that some chick with MS was training and they started reaching out to me and talking to me. Um, and I started to get to know the whole staff and I still do. Um, and they ended up, you know, yeah, putting me in touch with some of the organizers for the advocacy branch of the MS society. And they got me trained up for the activism stuff. And so kind of like right away, like that ride ended and I started working and I got certified to lead a support group um, uh, and just kind of like started doing, yeah, their, their legislative work uh, and by, by that November, so two months later. Um, and that got me super motivated. Um, to start my own bike team, which I started working on, golly, probably like just a couple weeks after the ride ended. Um, and started truly just like walking up to people on the street and being like, hey, do you want to be on a bike team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it was cool. Like it was like uh I, I think the, the first two people to sign up for the team, I had never really known before. Um, one of my friends or kind of like an acquaintance who's now a very close friend, she joined. Um, and then from there, we just started like inviting people that we would just be in, in conversation with. Um, Andy, you joined that year. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I did. Yeah. You did you didn't you didn't ride that first year? I did not, no. But you but you fund you raised money and you just you just walked into the bar and you were like, Hey, <laughs> I didn't know who you were. <laughs> this is on brand. No, no you, no, you only knew me by my Instagram handle. That that was you the, he, so wait, Sarah, this is what happened. Andy uh, walked into <laughs> the bar <laughs> where I worked, uh, which for I guess the listeners of this podcast is in Andy's hometown and uh and he he just starts talking to me um like he's like super familiar with me and he's like talking about my team and um he's like I admire you da 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 and I thought he was just some fucking creepy guy <laughs> like <laughs> like Instagram stalked me and I was like, Whoa, this sucks. And then I, and then he, I, I don't remember like how or why, but I, eventually I was just like, I'm sorry, who are you or something? And he was like, Oh, I'm Rad Barrett on Instagram. And I, and I realized that we'd been like messaging for months. Probably worth noting, like we, we have mutual friends, like we have yeah. like overlapping. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, for context. <laughs> for context, it was a friendship, but I just didn't know. Yeah. Friends you didn't know yet. That's amazing. <laughs> well, this is an amazing connection, and we're so glad that you could come back, and, you know, and tell your story on this podcast and also call Andy out on Creeping on You Bar. <laughs> yeah. 
So good. It's amazing. So, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that, one thing that it, it takes many cyclists years yeah. to figure out for doing big rides is what their feeding strategies are. Like, how do you eat? Like, what do you eat? Like, how do you stay energized during the ride? Like, <laughs> you didn't really um, have a lot of opportunity to figure that out. You just sort of <laughs> woke up on a Sunday morning, you're like, I'm going to do skin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I just kind of eat, I think, whatever I can pack on my bike and I eat every time I stop, even if it's just a bite, um, for the supported rides, like the longer rides, you know, the bike MS rides, um, that are events, um, that are coordinated and supported, they always have the craziest, most wonderful rest stops, um, full of anything you'd want to eat. And so we'll just roll up and eat everything there is there if it's a self-supported ride um god i really like high chews um <laughs> i don't like the goo stuff i try to avoid it i think that shit's trash um and i like i don't know trail mix uh cliff bars um i'll pack out um usually like three bags i've got a down tube bag a top tube bag and a feed bag um, that I'll just stuff with food usually just snacks, snack packing. Yeah. Snack packing. And if there's like a gas station, I'll eat all the garbage that I can get. If I don't, if I run out of food or whatever, like I usually want Fritos and beef jerky and other trash. Yeah. yeah. That's a major theme on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> trash eating, eating like trash. Yeah, trash eating. What can your body take? Yeah. I know we're diving into feeding strategies, but I do, I do want to come back to the fact that you went from like zero to hundred to 200 actually, mm -hmm. and how that's led, like what's happened since then with cycling for you? Like, have you done additional big, big dumb rides, big rides, big dumb rides. <laughs> <from that? laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Now, like, First of all, so that was the first year of Bike MS. That same year, I did another century about a month later, um, actually a 150. And then, um, you know, the following year, I did another century. I couldn't do a double that year because I was actually having a pretty big flare-up uh, at the time. Mm -hmm. So I only did the one day and sort of scrapped the, the second day. But I ended up... Um, doing a big ride from here, North Carolina, um, to New York City uh, that October. So that was 2018. That was an awareness and fundraising ride uh, for the for the cause, um, but that was self-supported. Um, that, that was just like a really, really great, huge, big, dumb ride. Um, and then since then, I mean, yeah, last year, did another double century with Andy and the team, um, our team. And, uh, this year we did a self-supported ride, of course, cause COVID, um, canceled the bike MS event. So our team did a self-supported ride. Um, a teammate and I did a century together. Um, and then just did actually last weekend did another century just for fun. Um, and, Apart from those century rides and the New York City ride, um, 
I think it's not like super unusual, certainly during the summer to do, you know, just random 60 mile rides or 80 mile rides around here. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I'm looking forward to this coming year. Cause I think I'd like to coordinate some more rides with the team that maybe can involve the public and not just our team. We're all hoping. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, um, I, you know, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to return to the North Carolina to New York ride. Yeah. Cause you know, talk about like waking up on a Sunday morning and say, well, I rode my first century yesterday. I think I'll do it again. Like not, you know, not a lot of people would necessarily, uh, uh do that. Uh, yeah. Also, well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, that's not my words. So I would love to hear a little bit more about like what what made you decide you wanted to ride from from North Carolina to New York. Just any any good stories, self supported bike trip from uh, from probably what your first bike tour too, right? I'd imagine. Yeah, that was yeah um, yeah. So the decision to do it first of all was kind of impulsive to a degree in that um, I had totally arbitrarily i don't even know why new york city was the destination but probably like a year before meaning like that first year when i did the first double century i think i was just like well i'm gonna run new york city next year and i even like said it to a couple of people um i think just to hold myself accountable for doing it <laughs> but then i but then i didn't think about it again because i was too focused on being a team captain for the first time and recruiting people and trying to get like people trained. Cause that's the other thing too, is a lot of people on our bike team um, had never ridden before. That was sort of like the romantic catch was like, you don't have to be a cyclist. I wasn't, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> our whole thing is that it's like a, a team for rookies and like scalawags and idiots. So um, I didn't really like, think about it very much um, for the rest of that year. And then I think it was the weekend of Bike MS. So this was 2018. This would have been September. Um, I think I, I can't remember exactly. I think I maybe have, had mentioned that I was going to do the ride to the team or that I was thinking about doing it, but it definitely wasn't planned. And I think I just remember being in our team tent and just sort of being like, I'm going to ride to New York next month. And everyone was like, what? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I had asked one of our teammates, um, AJ, if he would help me route, route the ride. And he, and he said, yes. So that was sort of like what solidified that it was actually going to happen. And I was doing it again out of stubbornness because that was the year that I couldn't ride the double century because my, my legs gave out and I was super angry and, and frustrated. And, uh, and so I think that was like, that was probably born out of me just being a stubborn asshole where I was like, you know, my illness kept me from riding what the distance I wanted to ride that weekend. So I was like, fuck you. I'm going to ride 650 miles next month. Get out of my way. And I probably wasn't the greatest, well, it ended up being great. It ended up working out very well. But at the time, it wasn't the best reason to do something like that. And especially because it involves like preparation and a lot of money. So had I had I still been 
in bad shape that month, um, I probably still would have attempted it and maybe gotten myself killed. <laughs> so we're glad you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was great. And so we ended up, um, my friend, so AJ, my teammate helped me route and it was a wonderful ride. We did the, um, Eastern Greenway trail mostly. Um, obviously for anyone familiar, it is not fully connected, nor is it finished. So there are a lot of gaps where AJ and I'm fully giving AJ for credit because I didn't have anything to do with making the route. Um, it was all AJ. I just told him where I wanted to go through like along the way. And he just made it happen. Um, but we, he, uh, built a really incredible ride, which I would be so happy to share with someone and happy to share with you guys, um, uh, on, um, I think it's on Strava. Um, but I just sort of worked it out, um, so that I would go through, um, Washington DC. Um, I have two very dear friends who live there, Andy and, uh, my very best friend, um, lives there as well. And, uh, and I just wanted to go through there. I wanted to go through Baltimore. Um, I wanted to hit Philly cause I have a lot of friends there. I used to live there. And, uh, we were able to pace it out pretty remarkably. Um, so that I had some longer days and followed up by some pretty short days. Um, it was beautiful. The weather was incredible. There was only one really shitty freezing day, which was the, happened to be the very last day, um, which really sucked because that was in New Jersey and Jersey sucks. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, anyone who is from Jersey, I realize that might be New York City. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and it was great. Um, it was really cool. I made it so <clears throat> that I would roll into DC, um, on my shortest day of riding. That was a 40 mile day. And, uh, <clears throat> I did that so that I would get there right around midday so that I could hang out with Andy here, uh, and some of y'all and, um, Conti's bike shop was really rad. They gave me a free tune up, um, which was so, so cool. And I was able to have a really great lunch and then a really great dinner, that night with friends. Um, and it was, that was one of the highlights was sort of being able to kick it that day really easily. And that, that next day was kind of an adventure. <laughs> the next day, the next day I, so, okay. So <laughs> the next day was supposed to be a hundred miles <laughs> and I had, yeah, like had a beautiful leisure day the day before and um, a big steak dinner the night before and I got to catch up with my friends and then I woke up really early and I just like wasn't feeling leaving. Um, so I got off really late. I had like kind of a leisurely breakfast by myself and repacked my bike um, for no reason and <laughs> left super late. And as soon as I crossed over, um, into Maryland, you get on the greenway and it runs along this river and it's really pretty. I'm sure you guys are familiar, right? So, um, it's really, really beautiful. And up until that point, I hadn't really had very many warm, like super warm, sunny days. And I don't smoke a lot of pot, I, not anymore at all, but like, even then 
I didn't smoke very much, but some uh, friends had given me some weed to have just in case, like literally for symptoms in case, like I started to be in a lot of pain or I would just need it um, to relax at night or something. And I hadn't like used, I don't think at that point, Um, but I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit in the grass and just get high. And I did that. And it was so stupid of me because I don't function very well when I'm high. I'm just kind of a big idiot and I get really distracted and I get in my head and I guess we all do, but I just feel like a, probably a bigger idiot than most I feel like. And I sit there and I get high and I am like laying in the grass and I just like totally lose track of time. I remember I was listening to a CS Lewis book and I just like, totally let my mind wander (laughs) and then it's been like an hour and a half and I'm like oh man I'm on a time crunch (laughs) it's like a hundred mile day I get back on the bike and I think to myself well at least I'm on a greenway for the next like 60 miles or whatever because you can't take rock on a greenway and I did not know that this particular greenway has lots of forks and crazy turns and do you guys know what I'm talking about? It turns turns into a spaghetti bowl like (laughs) (laughs) I was even looking at my at my uh, GPS I was just kind of riding and then I was like uh oh uh this way and I would just turn wherever I wanted and I got kept getting lost I was like at one point you're in like a marsh area or like a lake it's it was so confusing (laughs) um and so I get on track and then I'm just kind of that panicked form of high where you're like no longer having fun because you realize that you fucked up your whole day (laughs) because of this it's like when you go it's like when you're high and then you realize you have an important meeting with your boss (laughs) that's how I felt I just felt just miserable and so then I got uh I get toward I'm getting toward Baltimore and I'm realizing it's getting late in the day and so I tried to catch a mark train just to get me like ahead to make up some miles. And that took like a whole hour out of my day only to discover that they don't allow bikes without a reservation. Yeah. So then I was like, Oh God. So I get back on track and I long story short, I roll into Baltimore right around sundown and I'm supposed to be 35 miles North of Baltimore by that point. (laughs) Oh God. And I am just like in North Baltimore in some neighborhood and it's cold and it's dark. And I asked these dudes who were changing their tire, if they would have a pickup truck, if they would just please give me a lift 30 miles North and I would pay them like 50 bucks or something. And they agreed. And I sat there waiting for them to get this tire change for like 30 minutes. And then it becomes pitch black. And that's when they decide they can't help me after all. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. So I ended up um, calling my uncle, whom I had not spoken to in probably 15 years or seen in 15 years, who just happened, I just knew lived outside of Baltimore. Um, And he was, and he very kindly came and picked me up. um, And we didn't really like have much to say to each other, which I felt badly about. Um, We were kind of estranged. but he drove me all the way up to have de grace, which is where I was supposed to end up. And, um, I ended up just spending basically the rest of my money on, um, a bed and breakfast, which was a great decision because I ended up taking like four baths and (laughs) time. (laughs) I was really happy about it. Oh man. 
that's a yeah that's quite a that's quite a segment getting yeah. a getting a little derailed but it seems like you're pretty intrepid and good at figuring things out as you go and uh, yeah i think it's interesting hearing you talk about this because you started the story talking about spending like your sounds like from your teens through your 20s really feeling low and kind of stuck and then you started riding bikes and you know kind of going for it so it seems like you have a lot of like innate drive and determination and that when you're sort of hit an obstacle you're like no but it's like you were looking for the right tool <laughs> to so like let that part of yourself out so it's been really it's been so interesting to hear you talk about going from like from that that darker place to now where you're riding like a crazy person from north carolina to new york city <laughs> yeah it was it was a really great trip i look forward to doing more um i would love to do more while i still can um and we're still you know like i'm not I still feel pretty great on a bike. Like I don't really normally, um, I, I have a progressive form of the disease. So I know that there's like, obviously a chance that the, you know, eventually I won't be able to ride. Um, hopefully that, that won't be the case. Um, but in the meantime, like it still feels pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, elevation can be really hard. Um, certain types of Hills can be really hard. If I, if my mileage drops below like five miles per hour, three miles per hour. Um, mm -hmm. I can get really, really dizzy, which sucks. Um, but other than that, like the longer rides, man, like I, f I always feel, I think better on them. I think especially like, I loved the way that the tour felt because, um, there was no burden of kind of like everyday life. Um, there was a lot of time to reflect. There was a lot of time to get kind of spiritual, um, especially by yourself on a tour. Um, probably anyone who's done any kind of tour solo knows what that's like. Even if you're not like necessarily a spiritual person, you still can get to, to big places, um, with that much time and that much expanse that's what keeps me doing it. Even when I don't like have necessarily the time to do it or like the drive or if it's cold or something like I will make myself do it because I know if I don't, my body will turn on me. Yeah. But, um, aside from that, like what grabbed me on it, um, is really just like what, what the scenery does to you, what a long, what dedicating like five to eight to 10 hours, to like one activity um, does for your mind and for your soul and for your body. It just feels so good. It just feels so good. You know, I don't, I don't mind <clears throat> just riding around a little bit, but I don't, I don't like a ride that's under 20 miles. It doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense. I mean, honestly, a ride under 40 miles doesn't make sense to me, but you know, yeah. you squeeze in what you can on a lunch break but you're a pretty good company on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're on to our last part of this podcast, the rapid fire. Rapid fire. I'm looking at Andy to kick it off. Yeah. So, you know, these are just, uh, you know, your questions can be as long or short or your, your answers to these questions can be as long or, or short as you want. But uh, we've been asking everybody these questions or some version of them. 
Uh, I say everybody, like, yeah, we've been doing this forever. We have. <laughs> we're obviously. But you sound, you sound like you have. We're obviously. So. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're on top of our stuff. Um, uh, tell us about your bike. How, how, did you, how did you pick? How did you pick a bike? I didn't really. I rode up. I was like, this one's fine. I liked. Okay. <laughs> it's a, I ride a felt. And honestly, I can't even tell you anything i can't be like the model is like i don't know anything it's just a black felt it's a women's felt it's small it's a 54 it's too small for me um i don't care um it's black <laughs> it's pretty smooth looking except for sorry for anyone who has any kind of connection to felt but i just hate the logo i think it's really dumb um but the aside from that um it's we're not gonna get I now i guess yeah i don't think that's ever gonna happen honestly i'm in the market for a new bike i just can't really let this one go yet because it was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's good it's been so 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 good to ride um but i think i just i literally i i just picked it because that was the bike shop that I went to and I just didn't feel like going to multiple. And, um, I just, I just took a few on a ride and I was like, this one feels fine. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like still in that phase. I'm still kind of in that phase where like, you know how shitty it is when you go into a bike shop. Well, I don't know how long it's been since you guys were in this place, but like where you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know what to ask for. You don't know any of the language, none of the vocabulary. Sometimes even just, you do know what you're talking about. Oh my <laughs> God, it's awful. You're withering. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not going to like no. call out this bike shop, but they they were stupid. Like they were, they were that snotty, you know, those like bike shop people who like, look totally look down their nose on rookies and make you feel really dumb for not knowing what you're asking for. So I just like went in there and left as quickly as possible. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, you went and got a bike to ride at 20 miles and, and you've now ridden it thousands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. All right. What do you have any cycling world heroes? Is there anyone in the, in the cycling world that you particularly admire? No, <laughs> Not, uh, oh, well, kind of actually, Ooh, I hope I'm going to kind of there. Um, I don't know anything about this person. I don't know anything at all, but I started following him on Instagram. Like the first year that I started writing and his Instagram hand handle is Benton, the black unicorn. <laughs> I'm looking this up right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell him about this and so he can hear this. And he and I, kind of like how Andy and I did, but he and I will just sort of comment on each other's shit every now and then. Um, he's in the Bay Area. I don't know anything about him, but he just, like, rides all the damn time. And I just really like, I just look up to him a lot. I don't really know why, but I just do. Ben, ben the Black Unicorn. Oh, yeah. I have OC obsessive cycling disorder. Yeah. It's, it his, is. it's his line on his Instagram. <laughs> Well, Benson, wherever you are, we're going to follow you. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, strangest mid-ride snack. Strangest. I don't know about the strangest, but I do know. So hate Chick-fil-A a lot. 
um, and for obvious, re- well, to me, obvious reasons. Um, but I do, you know, have this like great memory of being in the middle of the bike MS ride a couple years ago and Chick-fil-A was providing all of <laughs> the lunches. Um, and I just remember like the team being so hungry and we just sat down and ate the gay hating chicken and did it angrily and did it with like, with like, you know, vinegar in our, in our eyes. <laughs> we sat there and ate as much as we could and just bitched <laughs> about how we had no choice but to eat the gay hating chicken. So, so what you're telling me is don't, don't use the picture I have of you sitting in the parking lot surrounded by crumpled Chick-fil-A bags. As the lead out picture when we release this podcast, that's what you're telling you me. Can. You can. <laughs> incredible thing for her. Disclaimer, this is not an endorsement of Chick-fil-A. This is not an endorsement for Chick-fil-A. Um, but I do that same day. No, Andy, remind me. No, it was the next day. The next day, the lunch for the, yeah, for the second century that year, the lunch was randomly like Carabas, like Italian. <laughs> Remember? It was like pasta and salad. Yeah, it's yeah, like manic. And it was so good. It was like, we rolled up and I think we were all expecting just Chick-fil-A, like, like day old Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And it was like pasta like alfredo with like chicken alfredo with penne pasta and like a caesar salad and rolls and you were like what like it was so good amazing yes and the owner the franchise owner was like there yeah so i didn't know if you're gonna bring this up but i'm just gonna go ahead and say that what happened um (laughs) the owner of the franchise was serving it up um by himself and he was really really chatty and so great and we rolled up and he as soon as we got there he got really excited because it was us and not to like toot our horn or whatever but our team is a little bit famous in this area um just like i'm not even sure why i think just because we're all scalawags but for whatever reason people at rest stops and like the bike MS staff. And a lot of people just really love team normalize compassion a whole lot. And so it's not unusual when we roll up at a rest stop for people to be like, Oh my God, I've been, we've been waiting like to meet you or like, it's you guys. It's really you. We don't really know why, but that's just how people react sometimes. And so we got there and this guy was like, Oh my God, I can't believe it's team normalized compassion. And he starts talking to us. And he's so excited. Uh, And he sits down with us while we're eating. And he's just like, anything I can get you guys, you know, anything at all. I just want to support you. And he starts talking about how he would love for Carabas to be a sponsor for the team. um, That he really loves what we stand for. And he really loves our messaging and um, just would love to collaborate with us. And he's talking to me, of course, because I'm the captain. And I'm just sitting there kind of like out of it and stuffing my face and like hot or like (laughs) it was so it was so nice of him but it was just like not the time because you're in the middle of a ride and you're like you know it can hardly think (laughs) um just like stuffing pasta in my face and he starts and I just don't even think about this but he's talking to our whole team or everyone who was there at the time and he starts to talk about how you know, he'd love to just support us and da 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 da. Um, and then he asks if I have any plans to take my team out for a celebratory dinner after, like, to commemorate 
the end of the season, I guess. And I just like, didn't even occur to me. I don't know why I didn't think about this, but I just started to gush about how I wanted to take everyone out to Roselli's kitchen, which is a totally different Italian restaurant in the area. <laughs> and I'm just going on and on and on about how much I can't wait. And I'm like, have you ever heard of it? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's great. And just keep going. And it wasn't until we were getting on our bikes, I think, that one of my teammates was like, you idiot. Like, <laughs> just totally insulted this guy. Uh, we ask a question of our guests about their relationship to cycling. Um, and sometimes it relates to kind of like what it was and what it is now with COVID. But I feel like with you, it seems like a much more, it's transformative for everybody for different reasons. I don't want to like diminish everybody's experience, but it does sound like for you, there's been so many levels of so many different ways that cycling has kind of opened up your life and given you things that are both like practical and physical, but also that you've kind of, you changed your job (laughs) and you seem like, large portions of the country and you've biked over more distances than most people will ever, which is yeah. pretty amazing. Thanks. It feels amazing a lot of the time. Um, I wish I had more time to do it. Um, and I, I, I'm lucky that the team that we've built, um, you know, who all these people were strangers before and now we're all close friends. Um, COVID has been different. That that has been hard because we have not been able to ride as much together. We've all sort of like gone into our own little holes, I guess, like we all have. I think, I think probably all of us, even not in a pandemic, but all of us just want to find ways to make space and time for this because it isn't a hobby. It still feels like more important to me. And I think probably again, because it is my only form of medication. Like I don't, I don't take treatment for my MS. Um, I don't do anything else drastic with my diet at this time. Um, it really is the only thing aside from now running and, and, and working out, um, that I do for myself and my illness. I think, um, it also like, I said before, it is a little bit of my spiritual practice as well, because it, if I can't find ways to slow down throughout the day to be grateful for, take stock and like what I need to do and what I need to focus on in order to be humble and in order to be grateful. Um, one of the things that I turn my focus on is the fact that I am grateful that I still at this point have the ability to ride a bike. And that, so then if I get on the bike <laughs> at that point, I'm able to spend again, an hour, two hours, five hours, whatever, sort of like continually, if not subconsciously, continually being grateful that I'm like here and not yet so sick that I can't like get out of bed. And to be honest, like it hasn't happened for a while, Knockwood, um, but probably since last winter, if I thought about it, um, that I've been, you know, bedridden or I've been like, so, so on my ass, um, that I, uh, am not able to ride. I mean, because of MS, but, um, and that's great. And I'm so, so, so grateful. And I actually owe that to biking. I'm sure I owe that to being physically fit, um, at this point, but 
you know, when those times come and I am sort of stuck and feeling pitiful and feeling crippled and feeling shitty, um, and sorry for myself. Um, it has like given me a lot to be grateful for even when I can't get up because I at least have been able to have that like sort of experience and bounce back from being a person who is pretty just sad and miserable. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just awesome. It's so awesome to like have a machine do that for you. <laughs> yeah. So cool. And it really has like, it's brought out so many different relationships and friendships that I just did not think yeah, um, something like that could bring out. Yeah. There's such a multiplier effect with bikes that I certainly didn't realize. I mean, I was commuting on a Fuji I'd had since the eighth grade when I first moved to DC just to get to grad school. And had no idea, like, what pulling that rusty bike out would mean, you know, 13 years later. Yeah. Yeah, they're amazing machines and can be catalysts. This has been awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. It was really sweet of you. Yeah, thank you for for joining us. and, And you're such a good storyteller. 